Hello, I'm Pastor Daniel Flukey. Welcome to the Sermon Podcast from Christ the King and Living Hope Lutheran Churches. We are congregations of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, located in Port Washington and Saukville, Wisconsin. We believe God's love is for you. Here's our message for this week. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So before I get into talking about today's story, I want to let you know that hearing this reading today brings up some strange memories. We follow a three-year lectionary, many of you know that, which means the last time that we heard these readings was March 15th, 2020, which was the weekend that COVID lockdown started. Remember that? I think this is a really good turnout to have here this morning. We heard these readings at the last quote-unquote regular worship service that we had for quite a while. And so three years later, thinking about everything that's happened in the last three years, here we are again in Lent, looking at two stories of people asking for water to drink. So first, our first reading from Exodus. And here's where we are in the story. The people of Israel, God's people, have been enslaved in Egypt And God sent Moses to rescue them. There were a whole bunch of plagues. Eventually, Pharaoh gave in and let the people go. And so Exodus chapter 14, Moses parts the Red Sea and the people walk across on dry land. Chapter 15, they all spend the chapter singing a song of praise to God. But already by the end of chapter 15, right after they've crossed the Red Sea and sung a song of praise, the Israelites start to grumble. They say, in Egypt, we used to have food to eat. Yeah, it was miserable, we were in slavery, but at least we had something to eat. There's nothing out here in the desert. And so God hears their cry, God gives them manna and quail from heaven, miraculously providing for them. And then here we are in chapter 17, and the Israelites are traveling through what has to be my favorite place name in the Bible, the wilderness of sin. And sin ironically, has nothing here to do with the English word sin. It's a Hebrew name. It's probably related to Mount Sinai. But what a great metaphor for what they're doing, where they are, and complaining, going through the wilderness of sin. And despite miracle after miracle, the Red Sea parting, manna and quail every day, they still seem incapable of trusting that God knows what God's doing, that God's going to take care of them. God has a plan. God has provided food for them, and still they complain. And now they're concerned about the water. Verse 3, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. This is a frustrated leader, right? Trying to lead God's people can be like herding cats. Moses finds this out. But of course, once again, God provides. God is much more patient than Moses is. God is much more patient and loving and caring, certainly, than you or I will ever be. And so God gives them the drink that they need. And just to make it more obvious that this is a miracle from God, the water comes out of a rock. Moses can't do that. Now, of course, The point of this story is not really the water. 
Our question for today in this series we're doing with questions each week during Lent, our question for today is, will you give me a drink? But really, that's only the very surface-level question that the people of God, the Israelites, are asking. Pastor Danielle Schroer points out, the real question that these people are asking as they're whining and grumbling and complaining, the real question they're asking is whether God has abandoned them, whether God is still with them, whether or not God still cares about them. These are much deeper, much more vulnerable questions to be asking. Now, Micah has not gotten to this stage, but it is not unusual, I understand, for children to at some point act out and be naughty, and push boundaries as a way of testing what's okay, as a way of seeing how much parents actually care for them. If I do this, even though you said not to, if I do this, will you forgive me? Will you still love me? Can I go too far and then you'll give up on me? People test that, right? It's human nature. And especially after experiencing trauma, children need reassurance that they're still loved, And I think that that's a bit of what's going on here in this story with the Israelites. The Israelites have gone through a lot. They've come out of slavery. They're wandering in the wilderness. They're looking for a land of their own that's been promised to them, but they haven't seen it yet. They're unsure of their place in the world. When they were enslaved, yes, the situation was terrible, but they knew where they fit. They knew what was coming up the next day and the day after that. And now... Everything feels uncertain, disorienting, and so they test God. Pastor Schroyer wonders, what would it have looked like if the Israelites had been able to be more honest, if they'd been able to cry out directly for God's assurance and say something like, show us you're still with us, God. We feel alone and unmoored. They could have prayed with open hearts. Where could the water have come from if the question had come from a softer place than the rock of our human defenses? And she continues in her commentary, this is the way Jesus taught us to pray. He gave us full permission to approach, to come before God, to ask for what we need, to request of God our daily bread. He knew, I think, that it's also a prayer for God to walk with us. It's an honest admission that none of us rely only on ourselves. We need God. We need each other. Fast forward a couple thousand years to the gospel story. In this story, Jesus seeks out one of the most vulnerable members of society, and he makes himself vulnerable to her. And there's a few unusual things happening in this story. So first, notice where Jesus is. It says he's in a Samaritan city. And you know the Samaritans, you know that word from the story of the Good Samaritan, right? There's a few more things you should know about Samaritans, some historical context to help lay out what's going on here. Hundreds of years earlier, the Assyrian Empire and then the Babylonian Empire had invaded Israel and they'd taken the Jewish people away into exile and they deported all of the elites, all the educated people, the rulers, the people with money, everybody with power. And all those people and their families and their children spend about 40 years in exile in Babylon. 
And that's where we get Bible stories like the story of Daniel. I like that one. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, all that happens in exile. And in exile, the people are worried about forgetting their identity, forgetting who they are as God's chosen people. They're worried that they might just sort of integrate into that society and start worshiping the foreign gods and forget about Yahweh, the God that is their God, the true God. And so they write down a lot of the Bible during this time because they're worried about how they're going to pass on these sacred stories to their children. But then, 40 years later, God rescues them. God brings them back. They return to Israel. And when they get back, they discover there's already some people in Israel. Because remember, only the elites got deported. Some of the Israelites were still in Israel this whole time. And they still believed in God. They were still doing Israelite things. But the people who got back, who'd spent so much time wrestling with faith and where is God and building their community, don't trust the people who are still there. I mean, who knows what those people who are poor to start with, who knows what they've been doing while we've been gone? We've worked so hard to stay faithful. They've intermarried with foreigners. We just cannot trust them. The people who stayed behind are the ones called Samaritans. They changed the custom a little bit of where they're worshiping because the temple's destroyed, so they aren't worshiping at the temple. They're worshiping, Jesus mentioned that, on a different mountain. In Jesus' day, hundreds of years later, the good Jewish people still do not trust the Samaritans. You don't interact with them, just sort of, we don't like to talk about that part of the family. And this woman who comes to draw water in this Samaritan area is herself a Samaritan. And so she's got that going against her. Jesus should not be talking to her. He knows better than that. But not only that, notice when she comes. It says she comes in the middle of the day, which is the hottest part of the day. You draw water, you take the trip to the well at the beginning of the day, at dawn when it's cool, or in the evening when the sun's going down. You don't come in the middle of the day. It's hot and it's miserable. Unless you're trying to avoid people, unless you don't fit in with the people who are coming in the good times. So this woman, not only is a Samaritan, she's on the outskirts even of Samaritan society. And it's not as obvious without the cultural context, but Jesus is doing something else dramatic here. Pastor Claire, Chana Tetzloff says, this woman is other in every way you can think of to Jesus. Everything about her separates her from Jesus. It even separates her from her own society. Her gender doesn't have much power in that time and place. Her religion, she's worshiping in the wrong way. Her social habits, as comes out in her conversation with Jesus, her personal history, her lifestyle. In the eyes of the world, she is a nobody. She is not worth noticing. And yet Jesus notices her. He meets her in her isolation, in her loneliness, not at a distance from afar, but he comes up close and personal and starts a conversation. Rather than shunning her and turning away, he talks to her. John, in his story, does not give, her, give, does not give us her name, but I have to imagine Jesus asked her for her name, right? Jesus knows her. And he sees her as somebody who is worthy of God's care and attention, worthy of God's salvation, 
He demonstrates how you and I are called to see our neighbors as well, crossing whatever boundaries get put up to care for those whom God loves. And Jesus asks the woman for a drink. He makes himself vulnerable. He expresses a need. The Son of God models for us what it means, what it looks like to be vulnerable, to admit that we don't have everything we need, that we don't have it all together. And his vulnerability with her opens up a conversation, and in turn, she drops her guard, and she's honest with Jesus, honest before God. Again, the story is not about literal H2O. It's not about water. It's also not about food, although I love that bit in there where Jesus' disciples are concerned that he doesn't have enough for lunch. They're probably going to buy food. They come back, and he says he's already eaten. The point of the, food, of the story is not about earthly sustenance. It's about eternal life. It's about what we need spiritually in this world and into eternity. In response to the woman's request, Jesus offers living water. He offers himself, not just the physical substance that we rely on for our earthly life, but the spiritual promise of God's presence, the refreshment of knowing God is with us. And of course, Jesus is the ultimate expression of that, God who has come to be with us. Once the woman understands what's happening here, once she realizes what Jesus is offering her, look what she does. She goes back to her community, back to the same people that she'd been avoiding, and she shares the hope that she has found. And of course, there's vulnerability there too, right? Because in order to testify that the hole in her life has been filled, She has to admit that there was a hole in her life, that she did not have it all together. And she extends to others the same living water that she herself has received. And many believed because of her testimony. Beloved of God, when you find yourself in the wilderness, when you find yourself in need of a drink, be vulnerable. Ask God for help. Pastor Schroyer concludes her commentary by saying, the question for us this Lent is not only whether we would extend a drink, and of course we're called to do that, the question is whether we will be brave enough to ask God for one when we need it. Will we be honest, admitting our need for God? Will we confess that we are still seeking that we don't have all the answers. And as we admit that, will we go to the one who is the answer to our seeking? And when we are filled with living water, will we allow it to spill over onto those around us? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Living Hope and Christ the King, to ask for prayer, or to make a donation to support the work we are doing in Ozaki County, you can visit our websites at livinghopesockville.org or ctkport.org, or click the link in the show notes to find us online or on social media. May God bless you, and we hope you'll join us again soon.